0: Be honest, hold yourself to your word, integrity. That's my main, my main focus, is to do the right thing all the time, whether someone else is looking or not.
1: The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy
2: everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here on Saturday, June 15th with a very special guest, Michael King, Deepwater Operation Readiness Team for Fieldwood Energy. What you, the listeners, are unaware of is I've actually known Mike my entire life, and he's mentored me throughout my entire career. So without further ado, happy Father's Day, Daddy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, glad I could be doing this for you.
2: Well, it means a lot. It's part of my background, how I came to be, literally, (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't um, exist without, you. Yeah. I'm so. proud
0: of you. Thank you. You've done well. Thank you,
2: Dad. So let's discuss how you became aware of the oil and gas industry and how you started.
0: Well, I may be giving, giving away my age here, but back in 1963, my dad was working in Libya and he moved us over to the island of Malta and that's where we grew up there in Cairo, Egypt. Dad had been in the oil field all my life, and probably 1969, 1970, he introduced me to it. During the summertime after school, he brought me out to the Sahara Desert in Libya with him, and uh, he and my older brother were working on a drilling rig out there in the desert, and I got to spend two weeks tallying pipe, doping pipe, cleaning treads, all kinda of good stuff. So that's how I got my introduction to the oil field. And uh pretty much been ever ever since been in it. I actually started roughnecking in nineteen seventy-eight with a little company called Welltech Incorporated, workover company. Did that for a few years and then had the opportunity to go offshore on a production platform. Got out there as a roustabout with Many people don't remember this company, City Service Oil and Gas, (laughs) (laughs) CITCO. First day out there, they put me on a boat. They were changing out some grating on a fishing deck, and I got sick as a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Which is where I get my motion sickness from. So (laughs) I figured, what did I just get myself into? Anyway, after about six months, running around the platforms, looking at all the piping, all the vessels. All the compressors and generators, I said, well, I'm never going to get this. Six months later, I woke up one morning just clicked. I figured, it's just pipe. They all do the same thing. It's either got water, oil, or gas flowing through it. It's pretty simple. So whenever I finally got that, the guys out there kind of saw that I was, had some potential. So they promoted me to an operator and I got to start learning all the process and all the things that needed to be done, compliance testing, well testing, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, it just, you know, grew from there. Started learning everything I needed to know, worked my way up the ladder in about mid 80s. CITCO was bought out by Occidental Petroleum. Yep,
2: I remember that.
0: So we became Oxy City Service for a time, and then Oxy turned over the offshore production to CanOxy, Canadian Oxy. Yep. So we were CanOxy for a while, and then they changed our name to CXY Energy. I don't know if anybody remembers that name or not. I do. Kept moving up the ladder, Uh, went from operator to chief operator on shelf, and I stayed as a chief operator for a few years and moved up to senior production operator. We took over some more fields from other companies. We bought an old conical field. I went from senior production operator over to a relief assistant foreman you know, West Delta field we had and worked that for about maybe four or five years. And then I got my introduction to subsea operations in deep water. Mm-hmm. That was in 2003. So becoming a subsea operator for deep water operations got me to where I am right now.
2: Side note. I want to add that CXY Energy changed their name to Nexon Patrol in USA and that Mike worked as a deep water production foreman for them until they sold to CNOC and he was with them for about 33 years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember as a little girl showing, showing me pictures of stuff and me just running off and going, I don't care. That's cool. Bye. You know. <laughs> Uh, stuff like that i remember all your gear all the all your frs and i yeah, remember me trying to put you in my bag
0: and take you off i have a picture
2: me. of that i have a picture of me in a duffel bag with it zipped up i think i also have one of my sister casey so yeah i could have
0: taken you both out there <laughs>
2: <laughs> well trust me i wanted to go i think uh one of the harder parts of my childhood was seeing you leave every week you know yeah. i would wake up somehow i just knew it was tuesday or it was thursday and i I could hear you get in the truck and go and then i would just i would cry like you know i was little just missing my daddy
0: well you know it's it's a takes a special person to work offshore you know being away from his family and it takes a special family to understand that daddy's got to do that
2: yeah it it really does really does i understood but i just missed you you know And just seeing all the different pictures of all the different platforms you've worked on, and yeah, I really enjoy that. So what are some real challenges you've had to deal with in your career, especially, I mean, mid-'80s? When did you,
0: I mean? The oil field was a lot different back in the-'80s than it is now. Back then, there was more worry about getting production, keeping it online, chasing a dollar, chasing a barrel of oil. And over the years, that's changed quite a bit. Right now, the main focus is on safety and making sure that people are okay, the environment is safe.
2: Yeah, people are safe, people come home.
0: That's right. And, you know, I, I think if you go back and look at the statistics, things are a lot better now than they were back then.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, technology has, has evolved so far to, you know, when we run lean, we have that to...
0: Yeah, and, and there's so many more people out there now compared to what they were back in the 80s. And, you know, even though there's more people now, you know, the statistics would show that more people were getting hurt. If you had that many people back then, you know, that would be astronomical, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, the improvements there, people are more aware of it. Companies are backing it. You know, that that's their number one priority now is everybody's safety.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, because it takes one, one second yep. for something to happen. So let me go back to when you were working with Poppy. What was something that really inspired you that he did that impacts you now?
0: Well, you know, at 10 years old, it's kind of really understand, you know, what matters and what doesn't. I think it just made me understand that, you know, when he was away, I went through the same situation you went through when I was, you know, working offshore and you were a kid, him being away from home, what he did, what he was doing for us, you know, it made me respect him for it. I realized then that, you know, he's not just going away. He's actually going away to do something and to do something for his family. Yeah. So he had to sacrifice for us.
2: Yeah. And he ultimately did. Didn't he end up hurting his back?
0: Well, he he got hurt many times back then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the the incident was hurt his back. It, he actually had a, there was a Kelly hose that blew off and hit him in the back, and he got pumped through, uh, full of drilling mud, so it was several thousand pounds worth. So they basically had to open him up and clean him out and take everything out and put it back in. And, you know, as soon as he was able, he went right back to work though, because he knew he had a family to care for.
2: Not only that, but I think that's kind of where you get your drive. Well,
0: yeah, you know, I learned a lot from him. He was a very strong man. Yep. And uh, strong-willed, hard-headed, yeah, yeah. in the right ways.
2: Kind of like whenever the company told him to make sure that y'all moved to Malta and not in Egypt, and then someone tried to buy my aunt.
0: Yeah. uh, (laughs) Or offered to buy her. Yeah, well... They have different customs over there. Well, yeah, I
2: know, but that's like one of my favorite stories.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they they do that kind of thing over there, so I'm just glad they never asked to buy me because they probably sold me. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, we lived in Malta for quite a few years. Probably 10 in all. We were able to come back to the States for a year during my seventh grade, and then uh, we went back to Malta, and we came back, and I did the 10th grade here mm-hmm. in the States. Weren't
2: you uh, ahead of a grade?
0: Well, actually two. In Malta, they started first grade at four years old. Oh, wow. So I actually graduated high school in the States. Uh, we came back halfway through my senior year from Cairo, and I graduated when I was 16, so... I couldn't get a job. Well, well I not guess a real not. job when I got out of school <laughs> and uh I did about a year and a half of trade school I remember that. Auto mechanics.
2: For some reason, do I rem- no, I think no, you went was, back you went back a different time.
0: Then uh I did a you know, the auto mechanic thing for a little while until I was old enough to get a real job. Yeah. So that was a challenge. you know, I was going to school over here with people a couple of years older than me, yeah, in, in the same grade. And, You know, it's different. It's a whole different lifestyle. You know, tell people about things you did when you were growing up overseas, and, you know, it's amazing to them. Uh, Until you've done it yourself or if you have done it yourself, you know, people are really interested in it, how things work overseas. And in the interim, you know, when I came back over here, it was all different for me. You know, it kind of amazed me on how things, how life was here. Yeah. So
2: i remember mama telling me about fighting over cake mix and mayonnaise and yeah oh yeah You yeah. you didn't
0: get you didn't get the things there that you get here you know every now and then they would have american products in the stores and all the people from the u.s or england or whoever it may have been you know whatever country they may have been from were trying to get it before somebody else did so it's kind of like black friday
2: (laughs) everybody's fighting each other but not to the extent right (laughs) so based off of how many years have you been in the industry now
0: well if you go back to 1978 that's 41 years wow yeah
2: i've been saying 32 for the past eight
0: (laughs) No, a little longer than that.
2: (laughs) You just lose track Uh, of time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can't Um, do that. Right. (laughs) So based off of your 41 years of experience, if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be?
0: Well, you know, the oil field is a vast, vast thing. Uh, It's huge. And no matter what part of it you're in, you can Every day learn at least two or three things new. Things are always changing. Regulations are always changing. Shoot, I mean, you know, back when I started, USGS was the government entity then. Oh, was it really? Yes, it was. Uh, No kidding. And then uh, before they changed to the MMS, and then... And then it
2: turned into Bomer. Bomer and... And then 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 it turned into Bessie and and Boehm.
0: Yep. So... I was there. <laughs> That's awesome. Way too long ago.
2: <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. See, I just learned something.
0: Yeah. And yeah, we fear them just like we do now. <laughs> Fair enough. Those guys are just doing their job. Well, know? absolutely. People have got to understand that. They're not out there to police you or, you know, come out there and say you're doing something wrong. They're out there to protect you. Yeah. Pr- protect the environment.
2: So. Well, especially after Macondo. I mean... Yeah. You know, speaking of that, I I remember you had actually left to go offshore the day before that occurred, and I freaked out. Because I wasn't exactly sure where you were. I didn't know if you were going back into your old field or or what, and that just scared the hell out of me. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it's unfortunate that that happened, and I truly hope that nothing like that ever happens again. Amen to that. Not even on a smaller scale.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What book influenced you the most?
0: Well, I don't read a whole lot of books that would influence me other than the Bible. You know, I lean to it to guide me and strengthen me and uh, help me make right decisions in my life. And, you know, I can't say enough about it. It's got something in there for everyone.
2: Yeah, I I, I and agree. for every need. Yeah, I agree with that as well. But you're also a a bi- a huge Stephen King fan. No yeah, re- no relation.
0: Yeah. No relation. <laughs> yeah, I've I've probably read just about every book he ever wrote. And uh, just one of my interests.
2: Yeah, yeah. But you do read. That's for sure. That's something between that and I. I remember as a little girl, you reading a lot of Western. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I probably have all his books too. Yeah. Boxed up somewhere.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, out on a shelf or in a box. (laughs) (laughs) What would you
0: say is your most used business tool? I'd have to say my coworkers, my superiors. They always have answers that I can't come up with. They always uh, lead me in the right direction. Good. Um, You know, if they don't have the answer, they always find someone else that can can help me with it. know, i try to do my best to not have to use them, but there's many times that I do. Cause as I said before, every day I learn at least two or three things new and, and you know, you get that from other people, their experiences. Yeah. You know, because they have different experiences than you do. Yeah.
2: Well, then that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is for, for people to hear other people's experiences. That's right. And, uh, I lean on them heavily. I don't know that this, this is necessarily applicable, but who's your most respected competitor? Hmm.
0: I don't have any competitors. Yeah. But I try to challenge myself every day to keep up with my coworkers. And Well, you're uh,
2: getting up there in age, man. Hey, <laughs> I can still hang. <laughs> you can still run faster than me, so. Boy. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, we'll I'll have challenge to, you to a race one day. Oh, uh, we can do this after this, <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you want to. Well, let's wait about a month. Okay. <laughs> Why? When it's really hot. <laughs> yeah. Give me a little time to get it, get out there and exercise. <laughs>
2: You're gonna train for this. Great, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll meet that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've always liked competition, but I don't use it as a, something to make me feel good. I use it as something to challenge myself and to make myself better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with feeling good. And that's yeah. kind of like that. That sounds more egotistical.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you're definitely not that. Right. Definitely
0: not that. Well, thank you.
2: Well, I've kind of known you for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: truth be told what's your most important lesson learned be honest hold yourself to your word integrity that's my main my main focus is to do the right thing all the time whether someone else is looking or not yeah you know and 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 people see that and they respect you for it and hopefully they'll want to follow the same rule. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. I like that. I like that. I kind of feel the same way. And I, I you go, well, obviously, I, maybe I, I got that from you, but I, I think that's just good work ethic. I just think yeah. that's
0: just really. People never have to wonder what you're going to do or what you're going to say or how you're going to act. They'll always, you'll always be predictable. Yeah. You know, and I think people feel more comfortable with that than with someone that, you know, they they can't predict or they can't trust. Yeah. You know. That's, that's, that's why just,
2: I steer clear of crazy people because they're unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part. Sometimes you don't know right away. Yeah. What's your favorite podcast besides obviously yeah.
0: mine? I don't listen to other podcasts, but you're a sweetheart.
2: Oh, that's so sweet, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything else to say?
0: or? Uh, no, just, you know, for your younger people out there that are just coming up in the old field, you know, challenge yourself every day, learn what you can, when you can, and lean on those people that already have been in the footsteps you're good fixing the field and, and learn from it. You know, they have a lot to offer.
2: Good. Good advice. Now here's Julie with Events on Deck.
1: Hey, it's Julie here, and I have a few OGGN announcements before we're heading into the events on deck. Street Team, we are still taking volunteers for our Street Team. We're only asking for an hour of your time per week in exchange for perks such as free entry to our happy hours, shirts, networking with other young professionals in our group. The group is within Facebook, but you do not have to have a Facebook to join. Just send me an email. The link will be in the show notes, and I can get you started. Our happy hours. Our happy hours. We are actually moving to quarterly happy hours rather than monthly. So our next Houston happy hour, as well as Midland, will be in August or September. Be on the lookout for that date. You'll get an invite if you're on the list. If not, you can sign up on the list below. And then we are launching another happy hour in Denver in August. So if you're interested in that one, the link is in the show notes as well to be notified. We don't have a date or details for that yet, but they're coming up. Okay, now on to the events on deck. We have Golf for Good on June 11th, 2019, in Houston, Texas. All proceeds go to help redeemed ministries with our long term recovery program and safe house to help victims of human trafficking become survivors. So mark your calendars and be ready to Golf for Good with redeemed and Our organizers: Global SEM Energy and Redm. For more information on how to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. Data Driven Drilling and Production Conference is June 11th through 12th in Houston, Texas. This is where Silicon Valley meets oil and gas. Register at the link in our show notes below. The Energy and Data Conference is June 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. This forward-looking conference will include the latest in digital transformation trends as they relate to the energy sectors with topics such as machine learning and data management storage, oil and gas development and drilling production, and more. Link down below. Energy Exposition is June 26th through 27th in Gillette, Wyoming. The Energy Exposition is for those who would like to know more about procedures, technology, safety, environmental practices, and equipment used in the oil and gas industry. And again, the link is in our show notes. Argentina Oil and Gas and Energy Summit 2019 is on July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. This summit's actually the first and only official event for the Argentinian oil and gas and energy industries. It will present a unique platform for networking that will bring together existing and future operators in the oil and gas industry in Argentina and Latin America. Next up is the 2019 IPANM Annual Meeting that Mark, Jake, and Paige will actually be speaking at. This will be July 24th through 26th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is Addressing Operator Needs in 2019. And next up is Desk and Derek, Fort Worth Second Annual Shoot for the Future Clay Shoot. This clay shoot will be on July 26th in Decatur, Texas. And then last but not least, Summer Nape. This is going to be August 21st and 22nd. It's where the deals happen
2: thank you again for joining me today dad if people want to reach out to you linkedin linkedin all right yeah i'll just definitely put it we'll put links in the show notes and people can reach out to you maybe pick your brain some more
0: yeah i'm definitely share anything that you know i have to offer if i can help anyone
2: awesome awesome so that concludes this episode so just remember it's up to you to open the next door
1: Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.